Welcome to the Upland Nation podcast. I'm Scott Linden, your host. Glad you could join me. As the season winds down and we look to the future, which is all about training and new pups and uh, kind of fixing all the stuff that got broke over the season. Uh, but that's not all because we're going to be talking about what some of you are still doing out there, slogging around in the crappy weather, cold temperatures and all the other things. Uh, so stick around for all of that and a bunch more as we adventure into the uplands and uh, kind of share some thoughts. In fact, uh, we're going to share a lot of thoughts. Um, my book, What the Dogs Taught Me, is coming back out. New title. I'll tell you more about all that later. But it did prompt me, among other things, to to look at, uh, you know, maybe getting ready for all the stuff we can uh, make up for. So we'll be taking a look at that whole concept of what dogs have taught me, some observations and suggestions that hopefully will help make you a better hunter, shooter, and dog owner as well. So open your eyes, open your ears, open your minds, and uh, we'll get rolling into that in just a moment. Of course, as every week, we have the Upland Nation puzzler question and a prize starting this week. We are covering... Uh, well, a little bit of everything in that area. And the prize for the month of January is a limited edition. I guess I can't call it that. It's one of the very few remaining real bird bumpers I designed. So if you've been coveting one of those, and I know I've been getting a few emails on those, it is up for grab. So stick around for the Upland Nation Puzzler and the prize it's all brought to you by roughland performance kennels happy jack dog care products sage and breaker gun care products pointer shotguns from LegacySports.com, dr tim's natural performance dog food and midvalleyclays.com your source for your next new shotgun as this is recorded uh, i am heading uh south further south and further east than I was actually last week and uh, trying to thaw out and get Flick some more time in the field before the season closes in southeast California and western Arizona. So I'll keep you posted on all of that as we get some uh, time under our belts in the field. In the meanwhile, uh, this part of the program is brought to you by Sage and Breaker Gun Care Products, Sage and breaker.com sign up for their mailing list and you'll get first notice on all the sales and all the new products including firearm grease now this is for those really high protection areas that need a little bit more than you can get with uh well a traditional gun oil or uh sage and breakers clp now the reason grease is right for some areas is it attaches and fills in the metal's imperfections. You watch those TV commercials about some of those toothpaste that do that with your teeth. Well, this does it with your gun metal, smooths and then lubricates the firearm and it complements the CLP. It's also lightweight from an aerospace heritage and it sticks where oil cannot. Sage and breaker dot com and if you're looking to upgrade or if you're looking to start somebody with a youth model for example pointer shotguns is a great place to begin your shopping experience learn all about all the models at legacysports.com then click on brands and go to pointer they have everything from uh, what i call the 
entry-level and youth-model, youth-sized shotguns to their Acreus and looks over and unders. And you can get them all in some cool gunmetal colors from olive drab to gray to bronze, as well as the traditional. It's all there. Take a look at LegacySports.com. All right, so um, this uh, kind of this podcast came about because of a couple friends who, in recent weeks, have picked up new puppies. One, an incredible-looking wire hair, and from a oh, breeder you know, uh, Kelly Jobes. He's been on the program before, and he probably will be again. And then another one from a uh, wire-haired pointing Griffon kennel of repute. And uh, it brought me back to uh, kind of the days when I was first getting started in this whole world. And, and, and some of you might know this story, but many of you won't. When I first got into television, uh, the Outdoor Channel hired me to make a fly fishing and bird hunting show. You might remember Cast and Blast. And... I went home after that, told everybody about that. And while I was telling everybody about that, they called back and they said, we want another title from you as well. And I said, well, someday I'm going to write a book called What the Dogs Taught Me. And they said, yeah, we'll take that. So for quite a while, I made both of those and enjoyed the heck out of it. And then ultimately in 20. 12 i got shed of field and stream radio and outdoor life radio in large part so that i could write the dang book i said i was going to write about 10 years before so it came to pass and it's wonderful and i appreciate it if you bought the book i do appreciate that quite a bit and it was fun to meet many of you as i was signing that book and we'll have the chance to do that again soon because guess what Skyhorse Publishing has decided it's worth a third printing, and the good news is it'll come out in paperback. It'll come out with a lower price. Oh, and a new title. We're still working on that, but it's just about settled. But uh, in the meanwhile, some of the things that I've learned over the years that uh, maybe you haven't learned uh, yet, or maybe it's something you hadn't quite thought about in the past, it's my take on some of the things that uh, I think are important that haven't been mentioned in other books or videos or any of the other forums or training methods out there. Now, it's not a dog training book, and this won't be a dog training lecture per se. It might be more of a kind of a thought starter for you. So what the dogs taught me and perhaps uh, you too. Like I said, start with some questions. Have you ever had a boss? who criticized, and that's all he or she did, no constructiveness to it at all, just yelled and screamed and stomped, berated, talked behind your back, even punished you, demeaned you in one way or another. Thinking about that? What about the opposite? Maybe you had a Boy Scout leader or a coach or a teacher or a mentor of some sort that respected and valued you, mentored you, helped you succeed. Their criticism was constructive. It was designed. It was intended to help you. And then out of all of that came a mutual respect. Who would you rather work for? That's the whole point. 
I'd rather work for somebody who respected me, who understood my side of the story, who was, you know, trying to help rather than trying to hinder whatever I was trying to do. And so would my dogs. I'm on my fifth wire here, and I think that I've I've learned a little bit from all of them, some more than others, but from all of them, I've put something in my back pocket and decided, you know, that is worth remembering. And as I say in the book somewhere, you know, I may not be that clever, but I am a pretty good note taker. So when something flashes to me, these days I pull out the phone and type it in and save it in my notes and then use it eventually somewhere down the road. In this case, it all came together in a, you know, 188 pages of book. But today on the podcast, it's coming together in a few minutes of just thought provoking ideas. What do you think your dog wants out of life? I don't mean to get philosophical. It's pretty practical stuff, actually. They want to have a good time. They want to be mentally and physically stimulated. Don't go there. No. Physically, they need exercise. They want food, of course. They're scavengers in large part, so they're always on the lookout for something to put in their mouths. They want feedback. They want rewards, whatever you want to call it, praise. George Hickox calls it paychecks. Whatever you call it, they want it. They're social animals. That's what they get in the pack. That's what they get in the litter. That's what they get from their mother. All of those things together, and you can deliver them. They want your company. You are their pack. You are the alpha in the pack. Your job is to provide that other stuff, the fun, the stimulation, the food, the feedback, the praise, whatever it is, it's your job to do it. And how do you do that? Well, you think like a dog. To me, that means literal and immediate. You know, if you look up immediate gratification in the dictionary, there's a picture of a dog next to it. In the most compelling gratification for a dog ultimately is a bird in their mouth. So what do we do? We do our best to put those birds on the ground so our dog can put them in his mouth. Hopefully, he'll deliver them softly to hand at some point. But first, we got to get to fetch. All right, there are some universal truths in the world of dogs and what they can teach us. Remember these things, and then your training, your interaction will all come together a little bit better, at least in my estimation. Those truths include dogs are smarter than us when it comes to birds. That's why I say follow the hunter with the longest nose. Once you drop the tailgate, the person in charge has four legs and a much better developed nose. All dogs are good dogs. They're all trying their best. They're earnest and sincere. Yeah, they're a little naive and they're a little bit, um, yeah, uh, you know, uh, ignorant in, in the ways of the world, of course. But they're good dogs and they're trying their best to do whatever they're trying to do. Now, their owners, they're another story. 
Remember that you are always a worse shot than you think you are. Remember, please, to give back to the environment, the people, the businesses, the organizations, the landowners that help us do what we love to do. Remember that your dog is your most important partner, so treat him right. Remember, as hunters, we are under a microscope, so do good. Do good out there. Pay it forward. Take care of the land. Take care of the people who take care of the land. And finally, remember that it's not all about tailgate photos and full bags. There's a lot more to hunting. You know that. That's why we're here. We love it because there are dogs involved. There are all sorts of other great reasons to be in the field, from the beautiful places and the petroglyphs we discover to the people we meet and the, well, let's just bring it full circle to the dog work. It's all there and it's all well worth going for, even if you bring nothing home but memories. This is a good place to take a quick break while we cover some other business here. Uh, what the dogs taught me is the topic, but we've got a lot more coming up. In fact, we will be sharing a lot of the reasons that you out there are still hunting this time of year. I can't wait to share some of those with you. We also have that Upland Nation puzzler and prize, just a tease here. So when I asked on Facebook, are you still hunting and why? Paul Granillo says, Valley and Gamble's quail in Southern California. I'll see you there, Paul. Numbers aren't so good, but I love getting out with my kids and my dog, and who doesn't? This part of the show is brought to you by happyjackinc.com, happyjackinc.com. Might save you a trip to the vet. It does for me was looking at Flick's pads and one of the interesting things about running in the snow as much as he's been doing lately that is causing some bizarre cracks in the front pads especially I've got a good regimen for taking care of his pads including happyjackinc.com's pad coat p-a-d-k-o-t-e is how they spell it over there yeah, they're sophisticated guys, the Exum family, and that's kind of clever. But so is the formulation of pad coat. So I'm using it every day instead of every week. And then, of course, I use it all the time during a hunt. Every morning of a hunt, I use Happy Jack pad coat. It's bringing Flix pads back to where they were, which in this case was caused by too much moisture, believe it or not. What we want is a nice, supple pad, and it comes from using pad coat on a regular basis. Go to the website, find a nearby retailer, or buy direct at happyjackinc.com. And when we travel, and we are, Roughland Kennels protects Flick every time he is in the truck these days. Roughlandkennels.com, R-U-F-F, landkennels.com accessories dealers everywhere go to the site and find a nearby dealer you can just go pick one up search by zip code on the website one of the things i love about their their gear is the big stuff is all stackable you could stack two kennels on top of each other you could stack a storage container or a water carrier on top of it they're all nestled and nested in there so that they fit just right and then boy oh boy why didn't anybody else do this? Doors that open in either direction. 
So if you're leaning over a whole bunch of other stuff and you can only reach one side of that door, you can open it that way. Or if it's more convenient, you can open it the other way. Simple, clever. Thank you, Doug, Elisa, and everybody at RoughlandKennels.com. And welcome back to the Upland Nation podcast. It's my chance to share some of the things that the dogs taught me and maybe can teach you as well. Just some observations and suggestions. I'm not going to give you a lecture, but I'm going to share some of the things that I've discovered that might be of value to you. I'm Scott Linden, your host. And this is uh, uh, prompted in part by the new puppies that Ben and Bruce got in the last couple of weeks. Man, don't you love them? Don't you love just even the photos, those big heads and those big eyes and those little bodies and they toddle around. I can't wait to play with both of those puppies in the next few weeks and then get started again with all of them on their adventures in the field. Anyway, in the meanwhile, here we are trying to get ready for next season or trying to wrap up this season with some things that, you know, we can think about for the next, what, seven or eight months until we can actually go hunting again. Let's talk about shooting, one of the things that I obsess over because I'm so bad about it. And thank you, Buzz Fawcett, for writing a book at the same publisher in the same year as me, reminding me of all the things, Buzz, that you taught me over the years about instinctive shooting. Here are some of the things that Buzz taught me, among other people, that might help you as well. Most of the time, our chokes are too tight. So if you're shooting uh, modified in full, eh, most of the time we're going to shoot birds at about 20, 25 yards. Open them up just a little bit most of the time. Now, if you're hunting late season sharp tails in South Dakota, maybe you do want to go to those tighter chokes, but not most of the time. Along the same lines, think about the distance from your gun muzzle to the bird and how small that pattern can be if you're shooting too quickly. Give it a little time. Take a nice, deliberate gun mount. See the bird. Follow the bird. Mount the gun. Bang. Give it a little time between the flush and the trigger pull. Unless you're like me, keep both eyes open. We are not aiming. We are pointing our shotguns. And if you are like me, determine whether or not you're cross-dominant. If you are, there are a whole bunch of ways to deal with that and go to findbirdhuntingspots.com. I can test you there for cross dominance. Remember that you don't just look at a bird, you got to see the bird and you know the drill everybody talks about, you know, know, look at the bird's eye or look at the white ring on the pheasant, whatever it is. See the bird. Practice your shooting. Nobody is a natural shooter. Go to the range. Even just a few friends with a hand thrower. Practice, practice, practice. And as we will learn once again in another week or two, take a lesson. An independent observer will probably help you in any number of ways, from telling you what's wrong with your gun mount to figuring out where you are in relation to the bird when you're swinging hard left to right or right to left. 
anticipate the trajectory of the bird when you're walking up on your dog on point or if your um your flusher is getting birdie and you're ready for a bird to fly figure out where they're probably going to go and if you know birds at all you probably can figure a little bit of that out chuckers are always going to go around a bend get something between you and them ringnecks are probably going to go as far away as fast as you can so it's usually more of a trap kind of a target and uh, if you can set yourself up for it get the sun out of your eyes when you're getting ready for the shot that probably bollocks is more shots than anything else it's also the source of the best shooting excuse i've ever come up with that bird flew behind the sun all right if you wear a hat and who doesn't maybe it's your lucky hunting hat uh, know that many times that brim or that cap bill is down too low so when you mount your gun you're lifting your face off the gun stock because the hat brim is blocking your view of where the bird is going to go push it back when you approach a dog on point or if you know your dog is birdie and getting ready to flush something get the gun into the ready position and again, I relearned this not a couple days ago talking with somebody. The ready position is muzzle slightly up from horizontal. You're in the right quadrant as far as your foot position goes. You bring that gun back under your armpit, and then you bring it back right out so it's almost out of the, gun, uh, out of the armpit. That's your ready position. So that when you mount the gun, there's minimal movement, nothing up and down, nothing back and forth to speak of it's just a bloop, and you're ready to pull the trigger if you want to keep that bird in the right place when it starts flying and you want to keep your dog's hearing intact approach the bird from at least an oblique angle swing wide of the dog if you have the chance come in from in front of the dog if you can come in from way in front of the dog and pinch that bird back toward the dog that'll get that bird going up more often than not like i said it also helps keep your dog's hearing intact yeah well that's enough shooting let's talk about dealing with your dog because remember our goal here is getting to fetch if you're of a certain age, you remember Paul Newman in his kind of his breakout role in uh, Cool Hand Luke, where he was imprisoned in a oh terrible Southern prison, and the uh, you know he kept getting thrown into solitary confinement. And back then, solitary confinement would, was way worse than it is now. And at one point, the prison warden comes up to him and uh, and uh, Newman looks at him defiant as always and. Uh, says something defiant and the warden who's a pretty good sporting clay shooter believe me i shared a couple stations with him once uh he says what we have here is a failure to communicate and that's not what we want when we're dealing with our dogs so consider some of these things the next time you think maybe your dog is not paying attention or is being disobedient you wear sunglasses when you're training or in the field i am still convinced 
that sunglasses confuse a dog. They're looking at you. There's these big things covering your eyes, which are truly the window to your soul and also to communicating with your dog. They can't see your eyes. Take them off. Now I have to use shooting glasses, but my shooting glasses are clear so that the dog can actually see my eyeballs. And I think that helps. Try it sometime and see if it works for you. Timing is everything when it comes to dealing with your dog. Dogs are ready to take a command sometimes, and they're not ready other times. You know those times. They're looking at you as they race past. They're lifting their leg and taking a leak. Uh, those kind of things. I had, I had My first wire hair would stop and sit down and look at me kind of like a Labrador when you're blowing that long whistle in a field trial. But it worked for us, and I was able to give direction because I knew he was paying attention or looking for something. Sometimes it's just a quick glance back as he's running past, but whatever it is, that's the time to do it. The time's not to do it, number one, if he can't hear you. Number two, if his mind is engaged in something else, could be chasing something, it could be smelling something. It could be digging for something. They're not going to pay any attention. Don't waste your breath or your training capital on a dog that is not ready to take direction. If you're like me, your dogs run big, and in big country, a whistle or a yell is not going to reach them. I use a lot of arm signals, hand signals, if you will, and they work. You got to keep them simple keep them very distinct. So I use only a few. One is to point them in the right direction. And you know what that is. You just lean over and you stick your arm out that way. I put my hand up in the air and I swing back and forth, back and forth when I want the dog to come to me. Now those are all pretty darn clear until you're holding your shotgun in the other hand and it looks like a third arm. So be careful about that. And even your other arm, even if you're just training, you don't have a gun in it, put your hand in the pocket so the dog only sees the one you want to use. And then a veterinary ophthalmologist shared this with me a while back, and I am still indebted to her for it. Dogs are in large part scavengers, but in another large part, they are predators. So they see movement better than they see static so if you want your dog to respond to a hand signal, move your hand a little bit. Yeah, remember like the Bob, Bob Fosse movies, you know, jazz hands, just a little bit. But a dog that sees motion is much more likely to get it than not. All right, how many of you named your dog Bo? And how many of you have a pointing dog that you want to teach woe? And what do you do when he disobeys? Do you say no? You get where I'm going with this, right? Name your dog something that doesn't conflate with some of your commands or change your commands. And I've got a whole lexicon of those. Just dig into findbirdhuntingspots.com and I'll share some of my verbal cues that hopefully don't sound anything like a dog's name or other commands. I'll just give you one. I scream here when I want a dog to come my way. But when I walk next, when I want him to walk next to me, I can't use heel because that's a different command. It's a, it's a, long story. But anyway, so I use walk. 
just take a look at your own vocabulary and how it might or it might not be confusing your dog. All right, so uh, we got a dog, we got a field, we got a shotgun. It's loaded, but it's open and safe. The safety's on and we are walking through the field. Let's go hunting. Do you know what your dog is doing when it smells a bird at a distance? You know what a birdie dog looks like? Yours in particular? Flick, unlike some of his predecessors, drops his nose a little bit. It, becomes, it, it gets lower than the horizontal. His tail picks up the pace and his steps become shorter. Now your dog may do just the opposite. I know a lot of Labradors whose tails uh, kind of helicopter. They go in a circle. Um, whereas a stubby-tailed Brittany, it will, may be more of a windshield wiper. But whatever your dog does, you should know it. And if you don't know it, you're not watching closely enough. Remember, this is all about what the dogs taught me. And I'm Scott Linden, by the way, and you're listening to the Upland Nation podcast. So you got a birdie dog. Now what? Well, get ready. Stand by. Keep your eyes on that dog. Watch your footing. And make sure everybody else is in a straight line and is careful as well. Once that dog hits a point, don't dawdle. Long ago in South Dakota, we had a, well, my, my second dog, I think it was, he slammed a point in a pheasant field that, it was beautiful. And there was three of us, including the nephew of the very well-off hotel industry magnate who was hosting us that day. This nephew hadn't had a lot of hunting experience, and I'll, I'll cut him some slack for that, but he was bedazzled by uh, Buddy at the time. Uh, so much so that he just he just stopped he took pictures he was watching that dog from you know like 60 yards away and, and we kept yelling at him, move up move up you're the closest you got to flush that bird blah blah and he's skulking and mincing and sweeping around and looking and by the time he got to that spot well the bird was long gone and the dog had kind of rolled his eyes and gone on to the next find so don't dawdle on a point for a couple reasons number one the dog has more confidence in you and will probably stay a little bit more steady. And don't ask me because I've never interviewed one, but I think the birds understand this too. When you are assertive in your approach, they know they're pinned and they're going to stay there. Ask a biologist, but I think it works. Now, if you get there and you want to be safe, don't go kicking around because that's going to booger up your foot position. Instead, try this. A lot of birds will flush when they think everybody else is flying too. And maintain a little bit of shooting discipline. Quite often, I miss the first bird because I'm already looking at the second bird. No, it never works for me. Maybe it'll work for you. I don't know. Shoot the first bird first. You know, that goes back to way back uh, Churchill style shooting in his book in England, not Winston the other one uh, shoot the first bird first make sure it drops make sure it's dead mark it carefully usually that's the one you want to send your dog for as soon as possible if you do have the luxury of enough time then go ahead try and shoot another one but make sure the first one is shot good and dead first and you want to do your friends, your dog owning friends a favor. Here's one for you. If you haven't done this before, it works pretty well too. Dog's going to retrieve to its owner most of the time. So um, don't confuse him. 
when that dog's headed your way, turn your back on that dog and he will say, oh, you're not the boss. Oh, that guy is. I see his face. I can, I can understand that. That is um, kind of pretty much um, dog language in a nutshell. Yeah, I hope you will take a look at the new book when it comes out. I'll be talking more about it as it does. In the meanwhile, you are um, invited to share most of this stuff and more at findbirdhuntingspots.com. A lot of the stuff from the book is in one form or another there as well. And remember that your dog is in charge once you put him down in the field. And you probably can learn something from him we got much more to come the upland nation puzzler quiz and a prize and why many of you are still hunting this time of year it's all coming up on the upland nation podcast right after this we're brought to you in part by dr tim's natural performance dog food d-r-t-i ms.com you get 30 percent off your first order just use the code upland nation if you're still hunting and feeding once a day in the afternoon you need the right types of protein and fats to maintain your dog's condition and help him hunt at peak performance search out all of those topics and find out where dr tim hunt gets his ingredients and why he uses the variety of ingredients he does in all his formulations learn more get free delivery 30 percent off your first order at drtims.com and if you are shopping for a new gun and you've settled on browning as the brand midvalleyclays.com is where you might want to start your search yeah they got a special relationship with the browning folks they can get guns when some other dealers may not be able to they're glad to provide them to you shop online at midvalleyclays.com the satori double is one of browning's oldest models carries through with their featherlight models today They've also got several lines of auto loaders for various applications, various price points. And then the Browning pump guns are still in the game and they're all available at midvalleyclays.com. Ask for Dave Fiedler. Tell him what you're looking for. The guy's a certified shooting instructor. He'll ask some questions and have a recommendation and I bet it will probably be a Browning. I promised you an Upland Nation puzzler question and a chance for one of those rare remaining signature series real bird bumpers. You can't buy them anymore, but I pulled one out of my personal stash. Oh, before we get into that one, congratulations, Brody Brown. He was our December winner. He's got one of my custom signature series Jaeger leads on the way in camo with a slip lead on the end. Convenient and cool. If you have the answer to the question, message me on any of the Facebook pages that I talk to you on, and you'll be entered to win a Signature Series Real Bird Bumper. This one's easy. It's prompted by <laughs> a walk in the snow a few days ago, Flick and I. What did we find? Sage grouse tracks. Okay, so I just gave you one of the answers. Here's the question. Name any prairie grouse species. 
any prairie grass species, message me on Facebook. And I love to share these because everybody has some good reason to do something fun out there. So when I asked if you're still hunting and why, Bill Snedden says, yeah, I'm still hunting woodcock and the ghosts of quail in Virginia. So is Michael Connolly. John Billado is hunting pheasants. This is the best winter he's had for a while. Last year, he said by now they'd had two feet of snow. I get, I get it, man. That's why we're headed for California. Um, let's see. Rob Warner, pheasants and quail, because I can. He's sending a selfie here. He's in the foreground. He's. It looks like a setter from the tail set and the, the feathering. Way in the distance, on point at the edge of a plowed field next to a shelter belt. Great shot, Rob. I hope your dog is more steady than Flick because otherwise I'd be running, not taking pictures. Bryce Patton, wonderful country. Looks familiar. You're chasing chuckers up in that country and um, your short hair, let's see. Yeah, looks like that short hair is on point and I sure appreciate that. Good luck to everybody else who's still out there. I wish I could join you, but I will be enjoying myself down here in the warmth and dry ground very soon and report back to you as soon as I have something to tell you about that might be fun. That part of the program is brought to you by FineBirdHuntingSpots.com. New material every week along the lines of what we're talking about this week on the show, including a new article called were those dog problems obedience or acoustics yeah another one of those thought provokers so take a look at it appreciate that and that's enough for today i hope you appreciated my thoughts suggestions observations and you can apply some of those or maybe all they do is help you look at your dog relationship a little bit differently If you liked what you heard, please tell your friends. Please leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. Talk every day at the Wing Shooting USA, Upland Nation, and Scott Linden Facebook pages. Thank you to those who did leave a rating or a review, including NW Brit Labs, who uh, wants to correspond someplace other than Facebook. So anybody else want to do that, just go to scottlindenoutdoors at gmail.com. Hey, in Northwest Brit Labs, get well soon. I'll leave you with this with from one of my favorite American authors, Mark Twain. He says, the dog is a gentleman. I hope to go to his heaven, not man's. Amen to that, Mark. Until I talk to you next week, hopefully I'll see you in the field. I'm Scott Linden. Thanks for listening. <laughs>